Well, welcome to Awake with Javon. My name is Javon, and I have the pleasure of having Gwen Foster, a naturopathic doctor. And you're over in Katy, Texas, right? Right. That's wonderful. You, uh, it's your wonderful Katy, Texas uh, accent that makes us feel warm and cozy. And we just got to watch out for any bless your hearts that come out, because I've learned it's not a good thing. It says bless your heart. So, uh Katie out there, she, she has a, um, a software uh, in her practice that she uses quite often in helping people become whole, helping people heal, and uh, the software is called New Vision, and um, New Vision USA, is that the full name for it? Right. And um, it's, it's a wonderful thing, and it's newvisionusa.com is how you can find it, n-u-visionusa.com is how you spell it. And it's it basically the software picks up on a, a hologram version of you basically and and can tell what's going on emotionally, physically, I mean, stress levels, things that aren't working, things that, that you should do to to plug back in and move towards health. It's it's kind of eerie when I did it <laughs> with when <laughs> years ago. Uh shoot, it was three or four years ago by this time. And yeah. It almost with no information, it like it it it's like I have probes on me, but I have no probes on me. It knows everything. So anyway, welcome. Thank you for your practice and your service in the world. And uh uh I guess my 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 first question for you is uh what what I ask everybody to start is it what what is it to be awake? Because you're helping people heal in a really cool way. Uh and in, in your field, there's there's an awakening happening too, right? The awakening uh, from an old model that keeps people sick to a new model that actually is wants people to be well and fast. And so, w- what is awake for you in in that model? And um, and how did you get into doing what you're doing? Okay, well, I'll start with how I got into this. I was. Okay. Uh, all person, <laughs> say semi-normal, and I had um, acquired a lot of health issues in my late 20s after a trip to Africa. I went to Central Africa, and I came back, and just things started going wrong, and um, I kind of went through the Western medicine thing and ended up on a bunch of medications, nine to be exact, and wow. some of life-sustaining medications, and I was on enough prednisone to kill a horse which they would never do today. It's kind of like, you know, you go through periods of time with medicine where any amount of opiates you want is fine or Vioxx or prednisone. And then they kind of retract and go, oh, oh, that was a bad idea. I was in that period of time. Prednisone was unlimited, which barely they'll give it. They barely won't give it to you now. Um, So I'm actually happy to be alive. Um, But it was actually, I had a roommate at the time in my thirties that was, you know, a vegetarian, um, a marathon runner, you know, she was doing all raw food and I thought she was a little nuts personally, you know, cause I was doing everything wrong at the time, having bagel and cream cheese and orange juice and everything that was wrong for me. And, um, but she was the one that, you know, we were young and she's running marathons and she was like the one going, you know, do you think the doctors might kill you? Like, don't you see where this is headed? You're either sleeping or you're going to doctor appointments. And at that time, fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue weren't really a thing yet. And then they they became a thing. And then people kind of said it's psychosomatic. But I can tell you that when someone's suffering from chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia on the outside, I look the same. But on the inside, you feel like a train wreck and you don't really know what's going on. You don't know what to do. And uh, anyway, it wasn't until she said, do you think that you might die through Western medical treatment. I was like, what? Like I had no clue. I had never even been in a whole foods at that point, you know? So I changed my life drastically. And this was like 1990 to 95. Mm -hmm. And so, and back then whole foods was the only option. And the only gluten-free option back then was rice cakes, which are pretty awful. (laughs) So, you know, think about today, how things, how far things have come even, you know, Trader Joe's and Sprouts and all these delicious gluten-free products. But anyway, so it was actually her little nudge that made me think there might be more to this. And I was in the insurance world. I had my own insurance agency and I started, you know, when I felt up to it, I would try to learn. And I went to Hannah Kroger's place in Boulder and learned a 
bunch of information that really actually helped and saved me. And then I was in Sedona and I took NLP classes and hypnosis classes and um, coaching classes. I wasn't, had no, no intention to do this for a full-time living. I was just, once I started getting well and I was, I mean, within about three years of doing a lot of things, I was completely off the medications. I was completely symptom free and I had had lupus, shingles, acid reflux, adult onset asthma, um, chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. So I wasn't like dealing with, you know, allergy symptoms. I was like pretty bad off. So anyway, long story short, I, um, after about three years, my life changed and I started kind of just giving advice to people, you know, that were saying, oh, their teeth is grinding. And I'm like, oh, that's parasites. Or I would just like throw things out that I had accumulated in this journey for myself. Over time, I just changed professions and it was never my intention to do that. And then I got into this really kind of weird, wonky world and, and awake is a great title because you know, in 1985, I didn't know any of this existed. Like I wasn't a crystal person and I wasn't a flower essence. And then I didn't have weird hippie parents, you know, I just was like a normal person just trying to get well. And then I find out there's this whole other world out there, which goes into, I guess now being awake. Um, So anyway, that's how I now Crystals crystals do something that they're just for weird people. (laughs) really exactly I thought you know oh they look pretty you know but um, I actually went to a class by Don Clark that was a perceiving energy class and it was with crystals Uh you know I know that you could perceive the energy of a plant or a crystal or a tree and um, it was like wow and I'm kinesthetic so it was perfect for me to really understand that everything has a vibration everything is energy and so I got it when I got it, but I was kind of a little late bloomer. I wasn't raised into this um, world. And now my family is like, can you just be normal? Like, <laughs> I go to the new normal, yeah. babe. They're like, um, can you just not talk about weird stuff? <laughs> and so now it's so normal for me, but I still know it's not mainstream for a lot of people. Yeah, no, we were just talking before we, we jumped on here how, how, the things that we do or the, the, the new book or the new, whatever you're into. And by the time you finish it, you get on this path uh, of learning because it's, it's infinite what you can evolve and, and, and become You look back even a year ago, or at least this is what we're talking about. You're like, well, this is outdated. This is who's going to want this, you know, right. But, uh, but I guess it's perfect. It's perfect for whoever gets it. And right. Right. It's always at the right time. Like even like, I don't know if you know what Course in Miracles is. Do you know what that is? Yes. Yeah. I was reading it this morning. Okay. So someone handed me that book in 1990 and I thought it was retarded. You know, I was like, like I, I couldn't even You're think. Like, this is not even English. Why The words are, are written wrong. <laughs> yeah. There is not a chair. And I'm like, okay, they're like doing some drugs when they wrote this book. And then like 10 years later, someone talked about it and I was like, Oh, I think I have that book, but I couldn't get it at all. And then I got really into it. Like I really got the concept, but I wasn't ready when I first was introduced to it. It made no sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you totally that everybody has their moment, I think, to become awake and to learn that more is going on in the world than mm-hmm. we all know. And, but it has to be the right timing for you. Cause a lot of times in relationships, what I see happening is one person gets to that becoming awake stage and the partner doesn't, but you can't like force them. Like it's almost like a natural thing that has to be very personal because I found that if I would have not, if I would have been normal and not unhealthy when I was younger and someone was trying to tell me these things, I don't know that I would have just jumped right in. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like a very personal thing of that timing as far as that goes. Oh yes. Well, always perfect. And mm-hmm. whatever's happening, I've, I've heard, uh, who, where did that come from? I'm not sure. I don't remember, but basically the, what you have is what you require. The right. Including everything, experience, relationships, uh, your, the, the possessions, it's what we require right now. Right. And that's, if that's true, that's incredible. That means we're all <laughs> in the perfect place, which is, isn't that what we would hope for? It's what I was always hoping for. I wish I was in the perfect place. All yeah. the time it was it was right here. And 
Right. We're always in the perfect place. We just don't see it sometimes until after the fact. Yeah, absolutely. So um, th this is wonderful. We've already tracked uh, some major domain here from, from sickness to, to uh, wellness to maybe more of a, um, a wholeness and then even, even spirituality and identity and, and who we are and, and discovering who we are and what we're not. Um, and just the wisdom and uh, of course the miracle. So let's, let's maybe chunk it back a little bit and go back to new vision because okay. that's your, your, your offering right now. And, and it says in your, uh, on your website, new vision is an advanced technology that serves uh, naturopaths, homeopaths, acupuncturists, psychotherapists, and other professionals around the world to identify their client's physical and emotional state through a scan of their field. Now that sounds pretty cool. What, is, what does that mean? You just covered it. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> That's it. I know, exactly. So I met a brilliant programmer. I was involved in, um, my first degree out of high school was electronics. And so I could actually build a power supply and build a computer from scratch and weird stuff like back in the 80s, back when people were still using mainframes and supercomputers. And then when I got into health, I was already kind of a gadget junkie, you know, lasers and scan our devices and uh, thermal imaging and stuff like that. So I'm, I've always been really into the software and electronics and I had used, most people may not know what these things are, but like radionics, random number generators, this technology is kind of the older stuff of natural health, you know, so like maybe um, 20, like rife frequencies would be considered an older therapy. Not that it's not useful, but it's just considered old. It's been around since really the forties. So about 10, 11 years ago, I met a brilliant programmer in the Netherlands named Kevin Michaels. And um, th this person who I'm very close to now had created the software, the, basically the engine of the software. And he had really no desire to make this available to humans. I mean, it was really, he was testing on all kinds of things, Italian soccer players and Belgium horses. And he was really just, you know, he was the person that in a very linear way was was really um, trying to disprove that computers could do these things. So he actually went at it because of a family member who's a chiropractor who was doing muscle testing and doing things. And Kevin's kind of like a show me kind of guy, you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't buy this. I don't, you know, there was a Princeton study called PAIR, the Princeton Electronomaly Research Study that showed this interaction between computers and people. And it's an old study, it's over 20 years ago, but people can still find it online to find out more about how it works. But basically, when Kevin went to go try to disprove it himself, he actually found the workings of how the engine works in, in New Vision, which is like a AI, uh, artificial intelligence, holographic field representation. And in our field, in our energy field, our whole life story is sitting there, you know, our wounds and our happy moments and our, um, our physical ailments, which are almost always related to the, those other things. Um, and I, I have an incredible story I can share that has to do with new vision. Well, I have lots, but anyway, when I do a new vision scan, uh, I created the data then for the human health work set, because like I said before that it was used for sports teams and, and racehorses and just a very niche um, community of people. And so I flew to Amsterdam and met with Kevin and, and Gerwin and a few other guys and said, let's do this, let's do this for human health. And once I created the work set, then in the testing phase, I was also personally blown away. And I actually want to share a story about just my own personal thing. So when I first had New Vision and created the work sets, um, I've had a very weird life, like weird in the way that I was like assaulted at a, when I, in high school, I worked at a Kroger and I was held up at gunpoint and threatened to be killed. I, ha I was robbed at gunpoint on another occasion, threatened to be killed. A friend of mine was assaulted in my garage in a townhouse and someone beat her half to death. I died in a car accident and came back and then I was in like five other car accidents. So I've had a very weird life having to do with danger, I would say. And I get new vision and the very first scan I did on myself, the, it said the words history of unsafe. Now, if you want to just categorize my whole life in three yeah. words, it was history of unsafe. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, and I sleep with a gun in my bedroom and that's a very Texas thing anyway, but I was like, you know, it's not because I sit here and live in fear. 
I feel like I'm prepared, but I wouldn't want someone to mess with me in the middle of the night, you know, because I would like just be cautious, I guess. But there's that part of me that's like, yeah, but not everybody sleeps with a gun in their bed. You know, it's just, I've had some experiences. So here I see history of unsafe and by itself, that may not mean a lot to people listening, but I'm also a person who believes in law of attraction. And if, if I feel unsafe, then I'm going to keep attracting unsafe situations because it's almost like this neon invisible sign above my head that is like a target, right? You know, because there's that part of me, uh Oh, let me, Oh, sorry. A call was coming in. And, um, anyway, so it, it's like a target and I don't want to be a target. But the interesting thing about New Vision is also it's, it's, it is the only system in the world of any technology that's reproducible, meaning I can track results on what I'm doing. So as I'm mentally having this aha moment that I'm attracting this, you know, which is, it's not like my fault, but it's, it just is what it is. I was trying to clear this thing of being history of unsafe and it actually wasn't clearing. I mean, I was like doing all these different techniques, like tapping and EFT and emotion code and NAET. And, and really every time I would scan myself, it was still showing history of unsafe for four years. Mm. <laughs> I, was like, I was fairly frustrated because, you know, most people think you do like a little clearing technique and it's just whoosh, it's gone. Like trying to wipe out your whole childhood of sexual abuse is not just gone like people think. It actually is way more complex than that. And it wasn't until I was having lunch with a friend of mine, the one that was assaulted in my garage, and I had not been clearing issues that happened near me. I was only clearing my personal issues that I realized, oh, maybe I should clear that. It was interesting because after I cleared the experience with my friend Hillary, history of unsafe has never shown up on my scan again. And that Hillary, was some- Hillary was, just, was someone else living in your garage, renting it? No, she was living. Uh, she was living with me in my townhouse, but she got assaulted in the garage. Oh, um, like she was driving home one night. She was a waitress. I mean, this is in the '80s, and she got assaulted and beat half to death. And it changed her life because she became like an aikido master um, from the assault. And it obviously changed my life because something that didn't even happen to me directly. But you know, I'm sound asleep. She comes barging in the bedroom with blood all over her body. And we had to deal with the police and the emergency room and stuff like that. So what I realized just in my, just through new vision and my own self is that we're affected even by these indirect things. Yeah. It affected me because she lived with me, but I didn't get assaulted on that particular instance. And I had been working on myself, working on myself, working on myself, and then realized, Oh, well this had an impact on me too. And so anyway, the point is that new vision clearly gave me the message. It also kept giving me the message telling me that what I was doing wasn't working to clear it. But what I really learned about that whole experience that I've seen over and over in other people is that sometimes people are working on the, I wouldn't say the wrong issue, but the, the story I was going to say is another story about a client and she had watched her five-year-old daughter die in a car accident. Uh. So she's following another car and the, her five-year-old was riding with the other mom and they got T-boned in an intersection and the five-year-old died instantly. And the other, the mom and the other little girl barely didn't even have a scratch. And so I meet my client 10 years later and it it's like the accident happened yesterday. Um, she's grieving. She is suicidal. She is um, very depressed and she's been through lots of therapists. She's been to lots of people for her depression and her suicidal mm -hmm. thought and medicated. And I did a scan on her with new vision and it showed, it didn't show depression or grief. Interestingly, it said severe visual separation conflict, which is a German new medicine term. Well, when it's only like one top thing, you can't ignore that. And I asked her and no one's ever asked her this. I said, it says severe visual you know, separation conflict. And that's the main issue, not depression or grief. And she said, I see this accident 10 times a day. Every time I open my, my uh, eyes in the morning, every time I lay down in bed, every time I'm in an intersection, I see that impact. And I was like, oh, okay. So the issue was that her brain was still remembering the impact like it was yesterday. And it, she was reliving it 10 times a day. So she could never move past that. Hmm. And so that's really 
and like, you know, I have a million of those kind of stories, but that's really the impact of new vision is that, um, like, like I said, sometimes people are dealing with something for, you know, like in therapy for 10 or 20 years, like the depression or like the sexual abuse or whatever. And, and they're missing the other parts that really need to be worked on now, because maybe that original issue isn't even the issue anymore, but they still feel stuck and they don't really know why they feel stuck. And they just assume it's their old stuff that is coming back again. Mm-hmm. So what is exactly. So the, just the mechanics of this, so we can visualize what it is. You're, you're on the phone with, I mean, is this a live thing where you're on the phone with you? Does it have to be in person? What's the, what's the mechanics and is there a picture um, um, looking at a screen, how, how does it work? Yeah, there's no picture and, and I can do it on the phone or in person. You're not connected to anything. Like you said earlier, it's, it's just using your name, um, that you go by your date of birth and your place of birth to create a holographic representation of you. And then in that holographic representation, which is obviously all done in computing, it's all algorithms and computing then the scan is based on that data. And so the scan is like 50,000 items that I put together, which is like physical attributes, anatomical, nutrition, emotions, um, but also solutions like nutritional supplements, flower essences, essential oils. So basically, like if I'm doing a scan on you, it's giving me this, this whole rundown, like, you know, not just on the mental and emotional big things, which are usually the big aha moments, but sometimes just on anemia or parasites or, um, you know, like I've even had some cases recently, well, all the time, but very recently that were physical ailments and it, it just can pick out like one nerve or one muscle, not a muscle group, not a major, like everybody knows the psoas and certain things, well, you know, practitioners do, but you get down to a muscle in your face that is actually causing the problem in the twitch. I mean, it can be that like laser specific. And, you know, sometimes then you're still like, well, what do I do with that information? Because it's still about trying to still find a a solution. Sometimes it is just information, but sometimes, I mean, always the goal is to find a solution, whether it's through a technique or therapy, but even in just the information, there's a solution. Because if I'm talking to you about something that happened to you, maybe 15 years ago, and it's not something you consciously think about, but it's driving your health issues, just that one piece can start unraveling to, for you to be aware that this is still affecting you like right now. Mm. So what, what does the clearing process look like? And you might, is that what you mentioned earlier? Like we, sometimes we don't know what to do with this. Is, is it more like it brings up the issue that's a blockage or a, uh, you know, a problem and then is, does it give the solution to or how to clear it? Usually there's a solution and just like behind me, there's, um, I mean, just to give you a few and this gets into really being awake is like, I have a skeletal chart so I can work on a skeletal chart on somebody, which is a Hannah Kroger technique. I can, um, do a remote clearing, like using a magnet or a pendulum on something that needs to be cleared. Um, sometimes you can use a surrogate, like on an emotion code technique. Um, I also have a massage table. So if the person's here live, I can actually do it in person. So the main techniques that I would use for clearing generally are like a Hannah Kroger technique or, um, I like body code and emotion code, which is, um, Bradley Nelson stuff. There's lots of videos on YouTube about how to do that, but it's basically a technique using a magnet. Um, what I found to be most useful with that technique, though, is really knowing the the thing that is the problem. So, like, if someone's agitated, agitated is not the problem, but the reason they're agitated. Let's say someone just disrespected the, them, then it's not like trying to clear agitation. And, and usually like the main emotions like fear and depression and grief are not the problem. It's something that caused that is the problem. But sometimes people really don't know what it is. Like it's something like really old that needs to be identified. And that's where new vision can really help because, um, can I give you one more story that's amazing? Yes. I like stories because people can really relate to them. I had a young girl that was in her twenties that had um, nose cancer. So she had skin cancer, but it was also like inside of her nose. Mm-hmm. And um, when I did the new vision scan on her, so she came to me because of help with the cancer. 
Um, and so when I did the scan on her, there was this, um, it was interesting because I think the words were pretty simple. It was like um, an ugly conflict. And that sounds pretty like vague kind of. But when I said this to her and I was like asking her what that meant to her related to the nose cancer, she, she goes, I know exactly what that is. And she said when she was like 12, her big sister had a boyfriend that gave her like a stuffed animal, like an elephant stuffed animal. And she, her sister was kind of a bully to her and would always like demean her. But she was just so happy that someone like her, her sister's boyfriend, and she did look up to her sister, was nice enough to think of her to give her this Christmas present. And almost immediately her sister snapped out, oh, look, it has a nose just like yours, which she's talking about the stuffed elephant. So again, immediately as a young girl that made her self-conscious about her nose unnecessarily. So she gets out of high school and then she has two nose jobs, like two like cosmetic surgery things. And then um, like when she's 19 and then when she's 25, she has nose cancer. Hmm. It sounds almost weirdly silly, but it, those things that are these big impacts, even from childhood that you would not normally think of, this is what was behind her cancer. I mean, she had this conflict with her nose that was related to something ugly her sister said. Now, how would I figure that out on my own? I would have never been able to. That's beyond, I'm not intuitive. I'm not like a psychic. So I couldn't have ever in my wildest dreams have come up with that. And just when I asked her, what does ugly conflict mean to you related to your nose? She was like, she knew exactly what it meant. Hmm. And then in that situation, how, how did the clearing happen? Uh, we cleared around her nose, her sister, um, the the boy that gave her the elephant, the elephant itself. So in that case, um, you can like, I have an imprint thing here. Um, this is an imprint tray. And I can imprint um, vials like that are used in like NAET or NET, their little um, like perfume uh, sample things and they're filled with a solution and once you imprint them with like the names of people or like you can someone can clear their ex-husband someone can clear their stepdaughter you know whoever is the antagonist um, and then it's just like taking it with the magnet using body code or motion code and it like somehow it changes how it's stored in the nervous system and um, it's it is kind of like my, like magic but it's also like what I found. And like I said, is if someone clears a basic emotion without getting to the real emotion behind it, um, it's not as effective. But if you can get to that one thing, like this ugly conflict about her nose and the, the pink elephant, you really can do something there. You can be so specific. So you, so this goes back to the, the aura that we all have that's all around us that, that carries all the data for our life. Right, the reoccurring situations, the, the the programming for the events that happen in our life, and the clearing. What you're doing once once you pinpoint the the thing that's creating the catalyst or the events that you don't like, then you can do a clearing focused on that. And and what you just showed us does it affect the aura? I mean, is that is that what happens, or the way that you hold the information? Yeah, so the aura is a good way to uh, understand it. So if we have, if you think of the aura being more like a bubble, you know, like an aura, sometimes people think of it as more like a halo, but if people think of an aura, like your entire body is an energy field and some people's energy fields are bigger than others, there's two ways to look at it. Like you, if you look at a person like this and you're looking at them with new vision, you're like looking at them like a satellite view of their entire life. Like your whole life story is actually in your field. And we're trying to pick the pieces of the story that are important. It's almost like regression and hypnosis. You're trying to get to that moment in time. And, and if people have ever listened to Bruce Lipton or Biology of Belief, there's no accident when people get ill. There's, it, it, there's actually a signal turned on in the brain that has to do with an emotional event or, or conflict. And this is very well described by Bruce Lipton. It's also very well described in German New Medicine with Dr. Hammer. But at that moment that the switch turns on, you're, that's not a DNA thing. That's not a genetic code. That is actually an emotional event that, that changes 
the body. You know, it makes something happen. And it also determines where in the body it's going to happen. Does that fit into epigenetics too at that point where it turns on and off genes or is that different? No, it actually, Bruce Lipton is, is really behind epigenetics. He is actually the, he, I think I just was talking to an epigenetics research person recently in Costa Rica. And I think she said that he was actually behind or the beginning of that whole movement of epigenetics. Bruce but what, what they've learned in epigenetics is that it's not necessarily reproducible and it changes, you know, like it, the, what they always thought was more of a fixed DNA is they found that it's not fixed. That just because your mom had breast cancer does not mean you're going to have breast cancer. But the belief that you think you're going to get breast cancer because your mom did is what's driving mm. that genetic code. But I actually the gene, per- the gene is possible within almost everybody to have that kind of cancer, but your belief flips it on, right? So Manifest, so to speak. Right, because I have friends that their parents had breast cancer, and they're so convinced they have breast cancer that they'll go as far as to get their breasts removed in advance to prevent having breast cancer. And yeah. Angelina Jolie did this because of some test she did, which I think is silly. Yeah. I mean, you know, we can create or uncreate anything that we want. So we can literally change our DNA with our mind, but we can also create illness with our mind. So they're bo- mm-hmm. it's possible both directions. Yeah, seemingly more uh, common, at least in our recent history, to go the, mm-hmm. the illness route through through mental regurgitation or chewing on these negative things. Right. Wow. So I think, sorry, ahead. I don't think people even realize how much that mind. I forget if we froze up. Chatter and their self-talk and Uh-oh. just Say that what again, they're saying Gwen? themselves. You froze for a little bit there. Sorry. Um, in, in what you learn in linguistic programming, that every little thing that people think is captured and and regurgitated what kind is that most people don't even realize how much they do that how much they think that they're not smart enough or pretty enough or rich enough or skinny enough or whatever they think that their is responding to all that self-talk all the time and and that's why they're having issues and i've even met people who don't think they're negative you know, they'll, they'll just act, think they're a positive person, but just in talking to them in like an hour, hour and a half, they've, they've said like 20 negative things mm-hmm. about them for someone else. And they think they're positive. So it's funny to me, not funny, but it's interesting how people are just don't even hear their self talk anymore. Yeah. Um, but an observer will those they'll, things. They'll add something that's supposed to erase it. Like, well, I'm just being honest <laughs> or right. whatever. It's like, I'm not, I'm not negative. Just telling it like it is. Right, right, or, or something like that. So, is it is it possible to to uh, to heal ourselves? Is like the things that we suffer from from, I mean, everything. Is it is is there anything too far that you can't heal yourself? I mean, uh, you know, stage four cancer. You have you know a month to live. Is is I, I think it's all curable and i think it's all within our mind um and it doesn't matter if it's cancer or something else you know what i would what i tell people is look at the old guy that's smoking camel unfiltered cigarettes and drinking whiskey every night and drinking eating eggs and bacon every morning and he lives to 107 <laughs> you know what well, the difference with that guy is he's happy with what he's doing he he's blesses happy. those cigarettes every time he smokes them <laughs> exactly. i love these cigarettes yeah, exactly. He's having a pot of coffee every day. Not a cup of coffee, but a pot of coffee. He's he's beating all the rules of good health and nutrition. But if he's happy, if he's happy with those cigarettes and he's happy with that whiskey and someone's not griping at him all the time, you know, about it, he's going to live a long life because he's generally happy. And I find this even with like health nuts is they're so rigid in their their, their stuff that they can't eat out with people. They can't go to most restaurants. They have to have everything just a certain way. Their, their life is so restricted hmm. that guess what? The body becomes restricted. There's, right. there's, you can think of like tightness and restriction and even constipation is kind of a constriction type issue. But when people have such rigidity, even as a health, health nut, 
they that's actually not the right approach either because um, there was a, a lady that was one of my mentors she was a, a, a gypsy a Scottish gypsy she was 107 when I met her wow. and it would always I know she was it was crazy I met her in Atlanta she always laughed before she would say something like she would think about what she was gonna say she would laugh at it and then say it so she was very adorable but she said my favorite health quote she said we should all be able to have a beer and a hot dog and enjoy it and not suffer from it and um, you know, I always think about that because that really is a sign of health when you can have things and enjoy them, whether it's Starbucks or whether it's whatever, mm. but enjoy it and don't beat yourself up over it and don't say it's going to your butt and don't say, you know, whatever people say about, you know, people will eat things and have total guilt about it. You know, it's like, eat it, bless it, enjoy it and move on. But yeah. the other thing about her that was interesting was at 107, she was actually the kind of the animal whisperer to the Queen of England and like Rod Stewart and some other famous people. And she was kind of like, I'm 107. I just want to retire. I don't want people to call me every time their dog or their horse gets sick. And yeah. she cracked me up. But anyway, she was one of those people that you would want to hang out in a pub with and and just have a good time you know she's she was not like debbie downer there's a reason she lived 107 and had no health issues i don't know now yeah. what this was that was 20 years ago yeah so uh, she's uh she i'm assuming that she did pass away eventually or she 127 yeah. now she did pass away but at 107 she had no health issues her yeah. brain was perfectly and she yeah. laughed all the time yeah pretty pretty desirable so all these things, I'm going to make a, a, a step to the next level here and you tell me if it's accurate from your experience. Uh, so we have all this information in our aura and that information, when it stays the same, we have the same experience, whether we consider it good or bad. But if you could somehow change or alter or clear the information in your aura, uh, then our experience changes. Um, so far, so good? Yes. Perfect. Okay. So... Does that mean that our, uh, it's maybe opposite to how a lot of people think, meaning that it starts with the physical, which is real, and then maybe it exudes out into happiness or any kind of uh, not so real or energetic states. Uh, and how it really is, though, possibly, is it starts energetic, like energetic information that is kind of like a program, and we see we see what that program does as the physical and the, the physical is just, it's just the program, right? We have this program and it, it makes the physical and it's not emotional and it's not, um, uh, you know, thinking anything is good or bad. It's just, you know, this is a, we're building a road here and the road says go straight and the, the road is straight. Do you think, do you think that's accurate? I definitely think it's accurate. I think that people can um, should start with even faking it if necessary. <laughs> I mean, by like, if they're really miserable, then they're going to have to fake not being miserable. They're going to have to convince their body that they're not miserable because misery brings on, you know, health issues. Um, the other thing I would say about it having to do with reverse order is that if um, someone's in a bad situation, like a bad marriage, a bad job, a bad, some kind of environment that they just are not happy they have to change that like I'll say that like you know for someone someone cannot be in a bad situation and expect their body to be happy and, and work perfectly mm -hmm. because their body responding to all these signals of resentment and guilt and blame and arguing and all of those cause body parts like for instance let's say someone is living in um, a situation like with an, a, a mother mother-in-law and, you know, the mother-in-law has to come live with them and she's always negative. And, and sometimes I know this is necessary because of an aging parent, but what that actually does to the body is it can affect the hearing because you start blocking out unwanted griping, mm. you know, just like collective hearing men lose their hearing on purpose because women are griping and complaining and, you know, nagging. So that's like what hearing issues would be, let's say, but it's the kidneys and the bladder and incontinence that has to do with territory in your house and, and trying to uh, defend mm. your space. And just like a dog goes and pees in the yard five times, that's what women with incontinence are doing because their space has been invaded. So they start peeing and, but they wear a diaper then because they don't realize it's because of their, whoever's living there, you know, like wow. an whatever. Yeah. But we're, 
we're mammals, just like other, um, other mammals. And we do, our bodies work the exact same as a dog or a horse or, you know, whatever other mammal. Mm -hmm. Another of that is like you know in the wild I tell the story a lot to clients that have hormone issues which is a big um, topic um, but in the wild you know when there's two elk that fight to be that alpha um, a lot of people kind of have this conception that the other male elks just go off in the wild and live as bachelors I guess but that's not actually what happens after the after an alpha is established whether it's an elk or deer or humans household once an alpha is established, everyone else's hormones recess to deal with that alpha because you can only have one alpha or they're going to be doing this all the time. So once the alpha is established, whether it's the husband or the mom or even one of the kids can be an alpha, then everyone else's hormones take a dive for survival. And this happens. So all these elk that didn't become the, the, um, the alpha elk, they actually are kind of like gay elk you know, they have low testosterone and that's how they stay in the herd is that they can survive with the alpha because no one else can, can go after him. And every once in a while someone will try and then there's something else established. But this happens all the time in real life and in, in people's works, workplaces and, and houses. And they're kind of like, well, I don't know why I need hormones when I'm 20. And then you got to take them for 30 years. What's well, because you're not the alpha, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> your body situations push you around or submit, exactly. submitted to unfavorable environments right but it's all about environment so yes it started with the emotions in every case of every health example you could probably throw at me i would say it started with the emotional response to an environmental thing and then it became a health it's not what i would say it's not always a health issue it's a health coping strategy mm. you know so sometimes our body's telling us something and we think it's a health problem, but it's actually just communication. My body's acting like this because I'm in this environment. Mm, a health coping strategy. I like that. <laughs> now I remember I, I read uh, this book by Louise Hay that was, you can heal your life. And at some point in the book, maybe it was in the back, um, there was this big glossary of all these ailments and what it, what it was from and it, it was the physical ailment and then and then an energetic state so it was like uh you know you have a knee problem uh inflexibility you have uh cancer anger you know it's like directly are you reaching for the book right now <laughs> i'm reaching for a book because yeah I have, I have something like that i mean that seems oh. like that would be helpful well, this is a book. I don't have Louise Hayes um, with me. I have it all on a document, but um, that's actually, she was like the godmother of that whole thing, you know, that came out like 30 years ago, yeah. maybe longer years ago. This is a book that I, I like quite a lot by a French guy named Jacques Martel. It's called The Complete Dictionary of Ailments and Diseases. And it's, uh, it's better than the book, Jacques Martel. Okay. What's it called? Uh, J-A-C-Q-E-S. Can you see it? Yep. And it's a dictionary or an encyclopedia. So if I want to pull up uh, finger issues or exhaustion or diaphragm or whatever, it tells you exactly what the emotional thing is. It goes into a little bit more detail than Louise Hay, but she was definitely the pioneer. And then if you, what I was going to show you was this other big book, but it's not on my desk right now called Messages from the Body by Michael Lincoln. And it's like this huge book that's um, kind of quite expensive. But he has like crazy amount of information in there. And I'll tell you one is like, uh, I mean, it's just insane how accurate it is. Um, like addiction and addiction to lottery tickets. Uh -huh. and I actually had a woman who had an addiction to cereal. And uh -huh. cereal says is you just wanted a bedtime story from your mommy and you never got it. So that's a person who's addicted to cereal. Wow. And then it, had like addiction to lottery tickets and that's a complete abandonment by your mom wow. and I naturopathic doctor and this friend of mine and, and we were looking at Michael Lincoln's book and he had this weird addiction to lottery tickets and I was like really he you're said like, he would I know why of, what <laughs> you're like I know why <laughs> well we looked it up I didn't actually know why but he, he said if he went to bed at night and he forgot to buy a lottery ticket he would actually get out of bed and drive to the convenience store oh my gosh <laughs> I'm saying a real addiction, like he could not go without getting the weekly lottery ticket because he just couldn't sleep. 
and it showed complete abandonment by mother. And uh, he, he just looked at me like, that is crazy. And he said that his mother left him at the hospital wow. and born and he was raised by his grandmother. And I was like, okay, well that fits. So yeah. sometimes even things that we think is our personality can be related to an emotional story of our past, you know, even in the foods we like and the things that we think are just our habits can mm -hmm. actually tie back to what's up here. Right. Which ties into that beginning question of awareness. Uh, well, uh, being awake, which could be synonymous with awareness in, in that it, it would just keep our eyes open because I've talked with people and, I, and I've been that person too of no, I'll hear, I'll hear something like that. No, that's not real. And there's just no consideration at all about it. Thinking, you know, I, like this assumption that what I already know is all there is to know, which is, is ludicrous, but I, I, I mean, I've been that person. So I know that <laughs> I, I have sympathy, I guess, or uh, my heart goes out to that person, that other version of me. Uh, but wow, incredible to think that this physical body is completely... Uh, at the mercy of all these energetic patterns that we unconsciously choose, right? Because we, we, the reason why it is the way it is, is we, we're choosing them over and over and over and over again, but we're just not aware of it, awake to it anymore. Exactly. I, I, I feel like that. I feel like that one thing I can tell your audience about just the topic of awake on this subject is, and what I've learned, I, I would love to write a book on just this one topic we were talking about writing books and I have to like sit down and think it's, it's worthy, but is, you know, what I think is awake and, and really what I think is mastery is, is neutrality. And that may sound weird. Like to me, just everything I know about how the body works is it, you know, every time that we get upset, every time that we have this meltdown or we have a response or someone knows how to just, you know, dig in and you know family members are great at finding your buttons you know like to push or relationships tend to get that way too where they just know how to push your buttons or kids know how to do that but every time that we allow that to happen we're losing like don clark described it back to the field if you think about every time that you've had a conflict a breakup a fight a divorce a death of somebody if you thought of you have this big bubble and every time something bad has happened or sad you, you have like a hole in your bubble. So you have like pieces like missing. So, you know, of course, by the time you get to my age at 58, it's like Swiss cheese, you know, it's like mm. all these little holes are here because of all these life experiences. Right. And what I've learned through my own personal health journey is that, and especially through neuro-linguistic programming is that neutrality should be the goal because if, if we can make it through each day and each week, without being charged or, you know, like someone getting us to be pissed or upset or angry, or, you know, just want to fly off the handle. That's actually a, being to me awake. That's like really being aware that, and, and really there's a self-control about that, that is harder than it sounds, you know, to not have someone like throw, you know, like, let's say you're centered and then you get a phone call and it's bad news, you know, or you have a car wreck, you know, and that just throws your whole like month off. But if you can get to the point that that car wreck is just like, oh, whatever, you know, it's just supposed to happen today and my insurance will take care of it. Um, or you get a phone call and you just choose not to answer the phone because you know the person calling you is not going to tell you anything positive. Right. Uh, those are choices. And I also think that, you know, who we choose to hang around, what we choose to listen to is, is also choices. So if everyone in someone's life is negative or demeaning or, you know, you know, always, you know, your same friend is always griping about her husband for 10 or 20 years, you know, that's just nonsense. You know, that just, there's no space for that. If someone's really trying to really be awake, I think. And I think the people that for me, the more people are awake, the less they tolerate that stuff. Mm. They just generally feel like it's my choice. Like I can either be alone or I can choose to be around people who are like-minded, mm. but I don't want to be around people who are just griping and complaining all the time. Um, but it's not just griping and complaining. It's how you respond to it. You know, like um, Carolyn Mace has a great quote. She always says she allows people to witness three times. So let's say something happens to you that's terrible mm -hmm. and you get to talk about it three times and then you're done. 
like you can't talk about it 20 times or 4,000 times. Uh It's like three times, you know, the first time is because you need someone to talk to and maybe you need to regurgitate it two more times, but then that's it. That's it. There's about that neutrality that is so powerful. And um, she tells some good stories. She has some videos on YouTube called why people don't heal and uh, Carolyn Mays. So it's M Y S S I recommend it people go find those YouTube videos because they're old, but they're really incredibly powerful to also tell you that, you know, all that stuff you're allowing, you know, just like, okay, let's say someone breaks up. I don't know if you're single or married, <laughs> Siobhan, but I, I'm married, two kids. Okay. So, they break so, stuff. Lots of fun. So, congratulations. Uh, one, of, one of Carolyn's stories is about a guy whose wife, I mean, he got fired from his um, corporate business and went home and his wife left him on the same day. Ah. Like that would be a pretty impactful situation, right? Yeah. But he just said, well, it is what it is. You know, instead of crying over his wife for 10 years, I meet people that got divorced in 1985 and they're still acting like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, let that go. But anyway, you know, but he met this great woman and, and actually had a better relationship than, you know, when he was married. But this is the thing when someone leaves us or wants a divorce or whatever, we can either just move on and find something better, or we can be upset for 20 years. Now, which one do you think the body responds to (laughs) as far as health issues go? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Moving on, of course. Yeah accepting what it is yeah exactly so the neutrality is like if they're gonna leave you they're gonna leave you but if you're gonna go crazy and be upset forever the body's gonna start having issues related to grief which is lungs and depending on the situation why they left you it could be breast cancer it could be um other sexual organ dysfunction it could be skin issues but all these things can be tied back to that relationship but if you said good riddance you know, like I, I wasn't that happy anyway, and I'm ready to move on to the body is like, okay, this is fine. Cool. Yeah. The other side of that too is going overboard, you know, like F you, I hate you. That's almost as detrimental to your body. I would think as, oh my God, I wish I could, my, I'm so depressed. I right. Mean, right. Is that true? I mean, you could, you can be really ready to move on, but, but you're really attached because you're now cursing them instead of wishing they were back. Exactly. But see, that's not neutrality. Saying F you or crying forever is neither one is neutrality. Neutrality Mm -hmm. is like, okay, maybe I should have initiated this because really the last 10 years have not been great, Mm -hmm. but we were both really ready to move on, but there's somehow there wants to be blame and upset and all this stuff. So that's what I was saying about being awake is exactly what you just said. It's not in the anger and it's not in the, a passive aggressive thing either in the, you know, like being happy when you see that person because maybe kids, but the the whole point is it's think about how hard that is. Like if someone is being left, just that one example, it is very hard to be neutral Hmm. because you, you, uh, I mean, another example would be like, um, there's an old, old psychology book called women who love too much. And women who love too much are generally the breast cancer women. They're the ones that are like almost to the point of being a martyr on everyone's issues, but their own. And um, it's still, it's not neutrality. You know, they, they're, they're too emotional. They're too like all over the place and upset and crying and every little thing gets to them. That person is a cancer case waiting to happen, by the way. But if they could be more neutral, which usually they don't hear that message until they have already come to me because they've already been diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Then about, you know, finding new ways to deal with things. But if, um, you know, women who love too much, you know, thing is when you try to tell them to be neutral, they think you're crazy, you know, because they don't, I mean, it is a, it is a sign of maturity and it's also an awake thing to me because it's not about, you don't have feelings and you can't love someone. That's not what I'm saying with neutral. I'm saying you can't get affected by everything. Some people are affected by people they don't even know. They'll watch something on TV and they're mm-hmm. like deeply messed up. Yeah, they're, mourning, they're mourning for, you know, the documentary that they saw. And... Or the politics or whatever oh. else is going on in the world. They're so charged up about everything mm-hmm. 
and they don't see how it impacts their body. That's really what I would say is that they don't realize that they're, they're reacting to everything and there's no neutrality at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, it is a real tricky, uh, distinction there because love does pour ourselves out. Um, but at a certain point, if the vehicle is dies, you're not able to, you know, you're not able to serve in love, at least through the vehicle. And so there's wisdom in there that, that, that will tell you uh, what's appropriate. And especially with awareness, when, like for me, when I've seen so many times where I've, I've been doing these acts of service and I, I'm discovering all these underlying motives that I had of being recognized, of being seen as a good person, um, of, uh, you know, being accepted, uh, like all these crazy things. And the world's like, yeah, you're so wonderful. And, helpful and what you know a big motivation for me was what they were giving me which turns out that was manipulation for me not as much love because <laughs> it had a ton of strings of, attached to it and so it's like is this really love and I'm, I'm miserable and loving hmm is this really love that I'm engaging yeah but that's total awareness just to be able to see that there was that undertone that is to me, I mean, to me, awake and awareness are very similar, you know, that, that awareness is a maturity thing, but it's also a um, acknowledgement of something that when someone's usually young, they would not see at all, or if they're yeah. not doing the work, they may never see it, I think. Um, you know, some, sometimes with, I, I deal with a lot of women, obviously, when I'm with, I tell stories, but like in the, in the case of someone like leaving them, I had a lady recently, and I, I'm not joking, she got divorced in the 80s. And the way she was carrying on and crying, you would have thought it was last week. And when she told me it was 1985, which is a true story, I was like, okay, back up. Like, <laughs> I'm, I have no sympathy at this point because this is nuts. But yeah. even the first part of that was that after her crying and sobbing like it was yesterday, then she says, and I knew when I married him, I was making a mistake. <laughs> yeah. So right. she even, before she did it, it was a mistake. Then she does it. He leaves her. And now for 35 years, she's crying about it. Wow. I mean, sanity, you know, but, but that's what I find with a lot of people is that they're so heartbroken, supposedly, but they also knew intuitively that they were right. making a mistake. They did it. And this happens with people's, with their jobs and, relocating and all kinds of examples that people's intuition is usually there and they just are not listening to it. Absolutely. So is there a way, uh, I mean, we could, we can come, we can find you at the uh, newvisionusa.com, which, which is in you vision usa.com. And we can, we can get our test uh, done by you and we can learn, we can get one of those books just because we're pissed off all the time or our knee hurts or whatever. And we can say, what correlates with this? You're like, ah, oh, crap. You know, you know, whatever you can learn. W once we do one of those things, I mean, how do we, can we clear these things on our own or do we, do we need you for this? Or how, how do we clear once we're, we recognize the energetic counterpart of our physical symptoms? Um, I totally believe in self-empowerment and I really don't want people to feel like they need me to do that. Where I think I can help people is just getting into some things in that are pinpointing things. But even just like with Louise Hayes in this book, just to give you an example, if someone has like eight health conditions, I'll give you a simple technique. If someone has like eight health conditions and you look them all up and they all tend to be in the same kind of emotional category, which is usually what happens. It has to do with, you know, not having enough self-confidence or someone feels like they got screwed over or whatever, whatever the general theme is, that should be an aha moment to anyone listening that says, I might have a problem in this department, <laughs> you know, like awesome. this is something I should pay attention to. Yeah. And just in that awareness, things can start changing and, and, and shifting, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that it's not like, you don't have to pay a lot of money. You don't have to have an appointment with me. I think there's, there's something in just kind of the soul searching part of it. That's also part of the awake process is once you start really realizing that we're the one responsible for our body and we're the one creating happiness or illness, mm -hmm. once people can get to that self-responsibility, that's a huge thing, you know, because if we're blaming it on our genetics or our grandfather who had diabetes or that we got to get out of that. You know, that makes us a victim and that makes 
where we can't get past our heart disease or whatever people are dealing with. So the first step is, is getting out of that crap. And then the second one is, once you see a pattern for yourself, look at how that affects your life. Look at how you think about this and, and how, you know, use some examples. And, and usually that's a huge connect the dots. In Louise Hay's book, in the one that you can heal your life, it's like a, a pink copy and it's like the gift edition. Um, it's my favorite version of that book because in the beginning of the book, before she gets to the list, there's actually some uh, self thought provoking exercises. And mm -hmm. I think there's like, 10. it's a beautiful book and it's a beautiful gift and it's really good for maybe even a step before this one. It's a really good introduction to this. And she, do you have that version of that book when I you're do, not? That's your, the one we have. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best version of it. Cause some of it just goes into the list, but that one is like a workbook and that's really maybe a good starting point of like self-examination. That's wonderful. So what, what would you, what would be your recommendation as someone who works with uh, sick people by nature, because they're coming to you because they have problems. Uh, how, what is it or how do we have an, an abundant life? Um, I think for that question, I would go with being specific. Um, mm -hmm. I think the manifestation of abundant life is something that most people just think happens. And I, I think some people are probably lucky. I, I get that. But if, if someone says, like, for instance, I want to make more money next year, mm -hmm. then if they make 10 cents more than last year that they've fulfilled that request, yes. you know, it's not specific. Yes. And so I think if I said next year, I want to make 20 more thousand dollars than I made last year, then I would say, okay, how am I going to do that? You know, is it just going to land in my mailbox? Um, you know, am I going to work more? Am I going to charge more? Am I going to do more appointments per day? You know, so I think that there's a thought process that goes into manifestation. If I'm going to, if I want to date and, and find a great guy and, but I'm not doing anything and I'm sitting at home during COVID, you know, is it, is he going to show up at my door? Like, is he going to start knocking? So I think in that abundance thing and abundance can mean in any category, whether it's spiritual or financial or whatever, I think there's an effort that's involved for sure. But I think the main thing is to be specific because a lot of times people tell me things and I'm like, when I start asking any question of detail, they have no idea, you know? So well, how are you going to make more money next year? I don't know. Well, how are you going to meet this guy? I don't know. You know, if we, if we haven't put not only the details in like the amounts or, or when we're going to meet the guy or whatever, but we have to have an action plan with that. So my advice would be to create it like a, you know, if you're creating an outline or a business plan, you want to have all the pieces. Like if you were thinking that you're going to go to your bank and convince them to give you a loan, like we were talking about, like going to get a loan, they're not going to give you a loan because you walk up and say, I want a loan. I deserve a loan. You have to put in the work. You have to give them the documents. So I'm just suggesting the same thing for abundance. Like, um, and I think that it, 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 that's it. Just the detail and the action. You know, mm -hmm. what, what are we going to do? Because if we're sitting, eat, you know, eating popcorn on the couch all the time that we're not actively, you know, if we're not learning, if we're not advancing ourselves, if we're not trying to work towards being awake, then we're just wasting time. You know, the mm -hmm. time is just flying by. That's good. So as a parting shot or final words, we're talking about vitality and wellness and abundance and um, how we, we have the reins. We're, we're constantly creating this, this body that we have in, in our experience. What, what would be your final words to us? I would say that, you know, it's just kind of just wrapping up what we've already said is, is be really conscious of what you're thinking, not necessarily even what you're saying, you know, but what you're thinking and be really mindful and be responsible for that. And, you know, it goes full circle to like, even like, what would Jesus do, you know, kind of things like how, how you want to be treated should be how you're treating other people you know, how you want to manifest something should be something that is specific. But, you know, I think a lot of people are just kind of wandering around and, and even with their health, you know, they're just kind of wandering around, but they're not really making any real effort, you know, maybe with their, their diet or their foods that they're eating or their, you know, things that, um, like that. But the main thing is about being happy, mm -hmm. you know, I be a Starbucks drinker. I'm not anymore, but I used to take that Starbucks. I would bless it and love it. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, yeah. uh, 
I don't drink coffee because it's bad for my blood type, but I used to. Uh, but and I, well, one other thing I'll say is there was a guy named Michael Murdad that was my uh, Course in Miracles teacher. And he showed me something really cool that I would have been like, yeah, right. Um, he showed us how, like with pH strokes, like if you have chocolate or, or candy, your pH will go acidic. And if you had like broccoli or cauliflower, it goes alkaline. So we did this experiment in this um, Course in Miracles group a long, long time ago. And basically we tested our, our mouth pH and then we, uh, it was whatever it was. And then we ate candy, which would normally make you acidic, but we visualized that the candy was broccoli. Mm. And all but one person who was the one who thought this was stupid had an alkaline pH after eating the candy. Wow. And that person who didn't believe that this was possible, that thought it was stupid, her pH went more acidic. Now, this is a true story. Wow. So that's why when I drank my coffee and loved it, I thought of like green veggies. That's right. It, this is so delicious, this mocha with all this stuff in it. And it's like having my, you know, green drink every morning. Mm. And that's just what I believed. So we can make anything happen. It's all like, again, back up in our mind. That's beautiful. Like that man with his unfiltered Marlboros and pot of coffee and whiskey, <laughs> blessing it and living to 150 years old. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, we can, we can do anything being happy. You know, if we're happy, the world changes, you know, for us. That's good. Well, Glenn, I really appreciate you being uh, on this podcast and sharing your wisdom. And if anybody wants to find her, uh, again, it's newvisionusa.com, nuvisionusa.com. Gwen Foster, she is a naturopathic doctor and she's awesome and has amazing technology. And uh, what? And she says she's not, uh, uh, what is it that you said? You can't read minds, whatever that word was. You, you can't read minds, <laughs> but it sure seems like it when she's working with you. You're like, you know all that? It's amazing. So thank you so much. I have a tool for that. Yeah, I have a tool for that. That's right. Uh, and you, you can help people if they want to get into this world, this, this world of healing as well. Use your same technology as a practitioner, yeah, actually, correct? I don't know if you went to the website recently, but the website has just been updated. I actually have a brand new website as of two weeks ago. So if uh, someone's looked at it before, it's brand new and cutting edge. So now's a good time to check it out. And what you said, newvisionusa.com. And I do train... I do sell the software and I do train new practitioners on how to use it as well. It's my company. So that's, I'm kind of the expert. <laughs> you are the expert. That's good. All right, Gun. Well, thank you so much for today and I'll we'll see you real soon. I hope. Okay. Thanks a lot.